unbadding, unbadding, we're unbadding, baby, we're on a journey, baby, we're unbadding, baby, we're unbadding. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Unbadding. I'm Dana Pereira. And I'm Jessica Presley. Jess, do you know anything about like planets or like where things are stationed or nothing? Uh, nothing. You know, Mercury is in the microwave again. No, I don't know where Mercury is, but I love when people tell me about it and yeah. tell me why I'm supposed to be feeling the way that I'm feeling. I'm like, yes, you're right. I wish that I knew more about it. Maybe that can be a future episode of Unbatting. Definitely. <laughs> Because I am fascinated whenever somebody's like, oh, well, Venus is in your third house of twinkle toes. And I'm like, ooh, what does that mean? Tell me more, please. (laughs) I want to know. Yes, I feel that. I feel Mm, it. Yeah. I will go to like a numerologist or an astrologist or, I mean, you name it, mediums, psychics, the whole nine. I am in. Me too. I love every moment of it. In fact, I'm always begging for more. Yes. And you know when I want to go to a psychic the most? Tell me. When I'm being an asshole to myself. When I feel like I am so out of control and what I need. I'm just like, somebody please give me direction. Yes, I feel you on that. I've definitely been there where I am just like, it feels like everything's kind of fallen apart. I don't really know which way is up. And I'm like, is it crazy that I want to talk to a stranger so they can help me sort out my life? Is it like, is it crazy that I believe that once this planet moves out of whatever house that is making me crazy, it's usually my own house that's making me crazy. (laughs) Same girl, same. (laughs) but I want to like believe like okay Dana you got three more weeks before Jupiter moves and then you're gonna be good yes it's like it just gives you something to look forward to right it's like you can do anything for a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. but if you don't know the amount of time then it just feels endless and like you're you're just never gonna get out of it yeah yeah and I am pretty rough on myself I think uh you and I talked about doing an episode on the inner critic and I inner critic myself Mm. for the episode what did she say (laughs) it's it's like a puzzle (laughs) like it all fits together somehow and my inner critic was like fuck you bitch you don't know how to do puzzles you're terrible at puzzles why do you think you can do a puzzle you know there's going to be one piece left in the middle of the puzzle you're just not going to be able to get it together yeah and then you're just going to be frustrated because that's what you do Dana you're just frustrated all the time you're never any fun you can't even make a puzzle fun but honestly who can I love puzzles oh shit (laughs) But usually it's like the giant piece ones that I do with my kids that take me like four seconds. So I really feel like super great about myself. Confidence booster. Total confidence booster. I'm like, I know where that piece goes. Top Mm. left corner. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, man, it was a 12 piecer, but I nailed it. Every time I nail it. Nobody else needs to know that it was only, you know, like a 24 piece puzzle. Yeah. Nobody needs to know. Just me and Jordan. That's what I do with books. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I read a hundred books last year. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) They were all like your children's books. (laughs) 
the very hungry caterpillar. Yeah, right shoe, left shoe, blue fish, red fish, whatever. Whatever. They're all Dr. Seuss. Honestly, though, Dr. Seuss books take forever to get through. Well, because there's like the eternal tongue twister. Yeah. And then I inner critic myself with that, too. Because you can't do tongue twisters. Exactly. The inner critic, you know, she's a real bitch. She gets me every time. I work daily to battle her. But you know what? Sometimes I forget get that she's there and I believe everything that she's saying and I think she is truthful and honest and she is not she's a liar and she is trying to tear me down well it's hard because the inner critic is you right Mm -hmm. it's you talking to like the voice that I hear in my head is me talking to myself Mm -hmm. but it's also not me it is things that we were told situations when we were younger a lot of it comes from childhood yeah yeah a lot of it comes from childhood it's that um that voice that you heard in your head constantly growing up and um it's really hard to let go of that and we don't get away from it ever so you know We have the inner critic ourselves. Our parents had their inner critics, their parents. It's like a whole generational thing. Um, And it makes me wonder, like, where does that really start from? And how can I fucking stop that with my kids? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Helping it stop with the kids. That's hard. And that's why we unbad, right? Because we don't want to continue to perpetuate these things that we now know aren't for us. I even struggle with it because I'm going to inner critic myself right now whenever it comes to like, okay, I'm telling my kids that they need to brush their teeth because it's the healthy thing for them to do. I need to make sure that they have healthy teeth, healthy gums, healthy bodies, healthy, all of this stuff. And so I force them to do these things. But sometimes whenever you're forcing them to do these things, you're telling them, you know, or, or shaming them almost into mm-hmm. doing something. Like if if you have a teenage boy, you're like, they smell, man, they smell. And if one walks by you and you're like, did you get a shower today? (laughs) And they look at you and you're like, dude, you smell like go take a shower. And then I'm like, okay, did I just do it to him? Did it? (laughs) Right. Is that going to be a part of his internal dialogue for the rest of his life? He's always going to be checking his pits. Yes. Yeah. It's a scary thing because you can't get away from it. Whether you're a parent, a friend, a sister, a, anything, what we say to each other matters. It definitely matters because that's the voice that you carry with you throughout your lifetime until you choose to dismantle it mm-hmm. and replace it with a new voice, right? So we're all um, allowing this voice to live in our head rent-free, mm-hmm. right? You now start charging that bitch. I know. Like – If we had a roommate who sat next to us on the couch all day, every day, and was like, that wasn't good enough. I can't believe you put that out there. You think that was okay? You're not any fun. Nobody really gives a shit about what you have to say. Nobody gives a shit about your podcast, okay? (laughs) Nobody gives. So, like, if we had that roommate, we would boot them immediately Yet here we sit day in and day out with this voice in our head. And it's not until I really sit down and think to myself, all right, 
this isn't my inner voice. This is my inner critic. I have to separate the two and say, this is my inner knowing. This is my inner critic. When the inner critic starts going and you always know the difference between the two because the inner critic is judgy. Mm-hmm. She's bitchy. Mm-hmm. She's rude. Mm-hmm. So whenever that voice starts going, I'm like, wait, that's not the one I want to listen to. That's the one that I want to dismantle. That's the one I want to unbad. So how do you do that though? Like I find whenever I am on a spiral, it's exactly that. I am spiraling hard. Um, And it's not easy to pull your plane out of a downward spiral. True. What do you do? What is your process? Um, So for me, it's all about awareness, right? Um, And I notice when I'm not meditating, when I'm not doing self-care, when I'm not doing the things that help me stay on point um, is whenever the inner critic gets out of control. Um, So whenever I'm aware of this voice, it's almost like I have to be looking for it. Mm -hmm. It's an active approach. Um, I don't think there's ever anything that I have found yet that I could do that will just make it stop. Um, I have to engage with it. I have to talk back to it. What do you say? Are you like, bitch, listen? Yes, kind of. (laughs) So like I notice a lot of times the inner critic comes up for me when I'm cleaning, Mm -hmm. right? So let's say you're coming over to my house and I'm like, I'm just going to clean up a couple of things. But then I start really cleaning, right? And I'm like, everything has to look just so. I want the house to look nice. I want it to smell good. Mm -hmm. Like those are all normal things. But I'm really judging myself and who I am based on the cleanliness of my home. Now, you're my sister. You know what my house looks like. Mm -hmm. You know who I am regardless of what my house looks like. So when that voice starts going and it's like, well, you got to get the beds made and you got to do this and this looks disgusting or that's gross or I do talk back to her. I'm like, This person loves you. They don't care what your house looks like. This is all you judging yourself on the cleanliness of your home. And that's one example. There's like a, like the angel and the devil on your shoulder. 100%. And I mean, I'm sure that she looks great in red, but she's the fucking devil. (laughs) (laughs) And I do that too. I actually had to remind myself that I don't, if I, I'm not up for doing the dishes right now. They can sit in the sink. I don't need to do them right now. Like I'm allowed to take the break because for so long it was if the dishes aren't done, then you're a fucking lazy slob. Exactly. Exactly. Or um, rest isn't a right. Rest is something to be earned. Mm-hmm. So like when I get home from dropping the kids off at school and I'm really tired because the kids were up in the middle of the night or the dog was up in the middle of the night and I come home and I just want to lay down and rest Mm -hmm. the inner critic will give me a hundred reasons as to why I don't deserve rest rest is a right I'm allowed to rest I would hide my naps from my husband a while back Because I didn't think that I deserved, because I'm a stay-at-home mom, and he was at work doing all of the things, and I didn't deserve to lay my head down and take, you know, a 40-minute nap or whatever um, while he was out there working. 
And then I realized after, you know, therapy and books and self-help and all of the stuff, my job doesn't end. Ever. Ever. I'm a stay-at-home mom. That means that I mom 24 hours a day. That shit is exhausting. It is exhausting. And think of the moms out there who are working and momming. Been They're there. exhausted too. And they don't have to earn a nap either. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to earn rest either. Everybody has the right to rest. It doesn't matter what your house looks like. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if there's dishes in your sink. It doesn't matter if you've got stuff left on the to-do list. If you need to rest, you rest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not good at that stuff. I'm, I get better, though. I do get better. So you and I had were talking about doing this episode, and I just did like a quick Google search. Like, okay, I know what the inner critic is. I know what it is to me. But for other people, it comes out in a variety of ways, and sometimes in all of these ways. But I was unaware that there's like, different kinds of inner critic. Were you aware of this? I think that um, I wasn't aware in a sense that I could have listed them all. Mm -hmm. But whenever I read through all of them, I'm like, yes, 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 of course. Those are all ways that I criticize myself. Um, Sometimes on a daily basis, I could hit all of them. Yes. And so I'm going to name a few for you guys listening, because I guarantee that you will relate to these So the first inner critic that they talk about, and this is on a website called Therapy with Abby, and I will put it in the show notes if you want to go and check it out for yourself, is the perfectionist. Right. I think that we could all relate to that one. Nothing's ever good enough. mm, Try harder. Do better. Uh, This critic tries to get you to do everything perfectly because it doesn't want you to be judged or criticized. It attacks you by saying that mistakes and flaws are unacceptable. That's how that's the perfectionist. When I'm cleaning up before someone comes over, I don't want to be judged for Mm -hmm. my mess because how dare I have a mess in my home? I oftentimes have to remind myself that like it's okay for it to look like people live here. And flaws and are 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 acceptable like that for from a young young age we're taught that mistakes and flaws are bad and we get in trouble for them and they're not okay and that's not true at all mistakes and flaws are inevitable you are going to have them and they're going to continue throughout your life there's no you know, getting around that fact. And that is something that we need to unbad. I try and tell the boys all the time, whenever they fuck up, I'm like, yeah, you fucked up. We're, we're, we're moving on now. Like you acknowledge it, you're aware of it and you learn from it. Hopefully, maybe not. Maybe it takes two or three more times for you to, you know, figure it out. Yeah, you know, whenever you were saying flaws, something really popped up for me whenever you brought that up. And that was that aren't flaws really just your perception, Mm -hmm. right? Like flaws aren't real. Or somebody else's perception. It's a perception. So if I think that something is a flaw, that could be based on my – my social upbringing, Mm -hmm. that could be based on my own personal opinion. There's so many things that 
one person could see as a flaw that another person doesn't. And so if we're focusing on flaws and we are of the belief that um, where we place our energy is what we get more of, if we're focusing on our flaws, if we're focusing on that inner critic, Mm -hmm. then are we not just creating more of the same? And flaws are subjective. Like I can look at a person and think that they are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And you could look at that same person and not feel that same way. And that's, it's all subjective. I can look in the mirror and see my wrinkles or, you know, what my crooked teeth or whatever it is and be like, ugh, I'm so gross. And my husband will look at me and he thinks I'm beautiful. So it's all subjective. It's all in the eye of the beholder. And we are just terrible to ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Um, My husband always makes um, mention about how like my mouth is crooked or something whenever I smile. And anytime I see that, I'm so hard on myself. But I know that that's one thing that like when he sees it, that's home to him. Mm -hmm. You know, my smile, my crooked uh, lip or whatever it is that it does, like that's familiar and it's comforting. And he loves that. Um, So why can't we love those things about ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. I remember whenever I first started with podcasting and I saw myself on video for the first time and I was like, why didn't anybody tell me that I talk out the side of my mouth like that? Mm. And I was just ripping myself to shreds. And then it hit me. I've talked like this my entire life. Anybody that has ever met me has met this version of me. It's me that is seeing it for the first time reflected back at me. Everybody else liked it already. Right. It was only you not seeing it Mm -hmm. over and over throughout your life. Yeah. And it's so, um, it's interesting doing a podcast, listening to yourself. You know, a lot of people, when they hear their own voice it's like oh oh my gosh mm-hmm. um or oh I can't believe I really sound like that is that what I sound like oh my god we have the Christina cackle totally a Christina <laughs> cackle you guys are going to get it one of these days yeah. and when it happens you'll know you'll know yeah for sure <laughs> but um when we started doing a podcast and I was listening to my voice back I this is talking about how I intentionally dismantled the inner critic I told myself, you are not going to pick yourself apart. Mm -hmm. You are not going to watch this back if you're going to sit there and criticize yourself. And I do it intentionally and I make myself find the good in what I'm doing. Instead of sitting there and being like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. I allow that part to pass and I'll focus my attention on something that I thought was really profound or something that I expressed really well that mm-hmm. I felt like I was really able to convey or communicate how I was feeling or or the message that I wanted to send. And so I really do try hard to focus on the things that I believe are the good things. Yeah. I am usually focusing on did I get a laugh? <laughs> And I'm not sure how healthy that is. <laughs> was she funny? So I'm like, yeah, but was it funny though? Did did you laugh? You know what? It is healthy. I think that people should laugh and smile. I think so too. Um, the next one that they talk about is called the task master. And this critic pushes you very hard to accomplish a lot. It wants you to work hard and be successful. It fears that you may be mediocre 
or lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one I think was probably the first one that I dismantled um, whenever I started doing inner work mm-hmm. because the taskmaster taskmaster was one that really it was my motor. It was yeah. the reason I did things during the day. Mm-hmm. And I had to give myself permission to not do that. Are you a list person? Like make a list, cross it off, make a list, cross it off. Like going down the list, crossing off all the things that you need to get done for the day. You know what? I used to be, I definitely used to be, but as I started to dismantle that taskmaster, I realized that um, I was doing a list to, to, you know, like when somebody is like, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do that. And they want to like list all mm-hmm. of the things to make very themselves feel very stuff. important. Yeah. Right. Um, I realized that I was creating a list to give myself more things to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, no, we're not doing that To anymore. feel accomplished. Right. Because if you don't do the things, then you, what did you do? What did you earn today? Right. You didn't earn enough. You need to go and accomplish all of the things, cross them all off your list. Right. Right. I don't do that anymore. But I know that a lot of people struggle with that. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. And um, I mean, I think also depending on what your life looks like, I am busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy I could cry like right now (laughs) because it's just I have four children. I have four dogs. I have my husband. I have this show. I have another show. Here's me listing list, 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 list. I have so much I feel like on my plate that if I don't get it done, it almost feels like the world will fall apart. Mm. My kids, if I don't get this done, then I will fail my kids. If I don't do this, I will fail my husband. If I don't do this, if I don't cross off all of these things on my list, then I will be failing people. Mm, that's tough. Yeah. How do you how do you switch that? That's a great question. I think that I'm still in it. I'm I keep telling myself like your life is going to be so different in 10 years where, you know, I'm not tying all of my worth into doing things for other people. I'm a nurturer. I'm I want to make everybody comfortable and happy and I want them all to feel safe. And it's because whenever I was young, I didn't feel safe. And so it's still a lot of therapy, self-help. I have the awareness of it. I know why I do the certain things. Um, Getting to the point where I am completely unbatting it, I'm not even sure if it's in my near future. There's probably a lot more work that I need to do um, on that to fully unbat it. I think that that's incredibly self-aware and honest um, because it's easy to come on here and say that, like, you know, I've unbad all of these mm-hmm. things, right? Um, but I think that the only reason I've been able to tackle the Taskmaster is that the universe gave me so much in one area of my life that the other things had to fall. Yeah. They had to fall. Mm-hmm. And I physically, emotionally, mentally can't take on as much anymore. And had had that part of my life not escalated, 
um, then I probably still would be doing all of those things. But I realized that my mental health, my physical health, they were all suffering because I was trying to maintain this level of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I couldn't anymore. Well, it's all about prioritizing what is the most important. Unfortunately, for us as women, we like fought so hard for women's rights and now we can work and have a family and that's a lot to take on we nothing else went away we're still expected to do the house chores and the children and the doctor's appointments and the dentist appointments and the sports and the and it gets to be exhausting. You're like, again, I don't want to fail my kids. I go to every single thing that they do. Yeah. Because I want them to feel loved and safe and that they're important to me. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes I got to miss a baseball game. <laughs> sometimes you got to miss a baseball game. It's just going to happen. You know? Yeah. It's just going to happen. Whenever you've got so many moving parts, it's impossible to make it all. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Give me the next one on the list, Dana. The next one is called The Conformist. And Mm. this is the critic that doesn't allow for individuality and wants you to fit a mold that comes from society. Hmm. We just kind of touched on that a little bit with the whole woman thing, didn't we? This one will say, what will other people think of you? Um, And like, don't make an ass out of yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't make an ass out of yourself. I've definitely done that a time or two in my life. Mm, Daily Um, for me. Yeah, definitely. But again, I think that that's probably my inner critic that's telling me I made an ass out of myself. Yeah. When nobody else probably even thought twice about it. I will like talk to a teacher at the school and I will make a joke or, or I'll text somebody and I'll make a joke and they won't respond and I will just sit there and be like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. Why did I say that? They don't think I'm funny. Why am I always trying to get people to laugh? This is so ridiculous, Dana. Couldn't you have just said thank you and then not? Like right. <laughs> just go another downward spiral. The plane is just nosediving <laughs> until I get a text back that goes, LOL. And I'm like, oh, oh, thank God. Oh, my life is good again. <laughs> yeah. I can I can live to see another day yeah but I do it I'm sure there are many ways that this does affect me I'm just probably not as aware of them because I think that naturally pieces of my life I've always been the person that kind of marches to the beat of their own drum I've never really felt that I had to conform to people can I name one that I know of? yeah yeah please um I know that it is important for you to have other that to have black mothers think that you're a good mother. Ooh, that is so true. Oh, hit me right there, <laughs> right there. See, this is why you have a sister. <laughs> she can put all your shit out there. <laughs> you're right. That's true. Um, I do feel that I have a level of. Um, like proving yourself that I have to prove myself yes Mm -hmm. that I want my kids to look just so or be groomed just so or have their hair just so um, because I do at times want the approval from black moms to say like oh okay she isn't 
the white mom whose kids are in a school with all white kids, Mm -hmm. whose hair looks a mess, whose elbows are ashy. Yeah. You know, like I, I do. You're right. You got me. Yeah. I, the thing is we all do. Mm -hmm. We are. In fact, I'm willing to bet that every single one of these inner critics that are on the list we're all going to relate to them. We're going to find situations that we're like, yep, I do that. Yep, I do that. Yep, I do that. Because we all do. It's just unfortunately part of who we are in a society that is so, so hard on people. Mm -hmm. I think that the reason that people are hard on people though is because we're hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And what's going on on the inside is inevitably projected on the outside. So when I see somebody that's like super critical, Mm -hmm. um, and when you talk to them, they're always bringing somebody else down. My immediate thought isn't, oh my God, she's such like a negative Nancy. I want to hug them because Mm -hmm. I think if you were this hard on everybody else, I can only imagine how hard you are on yourself. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I that's another thing that I try and instill in the children is, you know what? Like most of the time when somebody's being a dick, it's has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. It has everything to do with how they're feeling inside their own body, inside their own skin at that moment, inside their own head. Um and it it very rarely has anything to do with outside people. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many times where there's something um, that's triggering me, Mm -hmm. right? And so outwardly, I'm expressing that to another person. In fact, um, I had to do like the apology this morning to my husband because um, we had a situation last night where we were playing like musical beds and I sleep in my daughter Shay's room every night Our other daughter, Jordan, sleeps in our bed every night. And Mm -hmm. Jordan is always upset that I'm not sleeping with her. And so Uh. she wanted me to sleep with her. And I can't sleep with her. It's so hard. Mm -hmm. She makes so much noise. She moves so much. I just am awake all the time. And so instead of just saying that, and I didn't know it at the time either. I was just like feeling some Mm -hmm. irritation rumbling. Um, I totally blamed my husband. And I was like, you're the one that's being inflexible and not willing to sleep in Shay's bed. And so then I can't sleep with Jordan in her bed. And so now me and Jordan are sleeping in this bed and we're displaced. And Shay is sleeping out of her bed in our bed and she's displaced. And you're the only one that hasn't had to make an adjustment. Yeah. And so I'm projecting all of this at him. And I didn't even know it at the time that it was because I was uncomfortable with how I had to sleep because I knew I wasn't going to sleep. And so I made it all about him. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we've got all of these rumblings inside of this inner critic, we want to make it about someone else. We want to blame someone else when really it wasn't him at all. It was me. Well, it's called passing the pain. And I have talked about passing the pain so much because I feel it so hard when you are feeling like that, like the ickiness inside you want somebody else to feel worse than you. Mm-hmm. So you just pass it on by telling them, you know, what they did wrong or, you know, like here here it is. Here's the pain ball. You take it now. It's and your it's turn. And it's convincing, right? Mm-hmm. You totally believe your um, 
your side of the story, you believe that they deserve this oh, or that they are wrong. With conviction. With conviction, right? But it's like the age, the age old hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's nothing new. It's been happening forever. And you don't want to believe that it's you. Like, I just recently started saying out loud, like, yeah, I'm moody. Like, I, I am. I'm super fucking moody. Like, you get probably one good week of me a month. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> then the hormones just start messing with you left and right. <laughs> so rude. And I didn't want to believe that about myself. But now that I've kind of owned it a little bit more and I'm like, no, I just I am. I'm moody. Now I'm like, okay, I feel that I'm moody. I'm going to take some time. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go meditate or I'm going to go get a coffee or I'm going to do the things that are going to elevate my mood because I know that I'm a moody bitch. Mm -hmm. So instead of allowing all of that voice in your head to be like, you did this, you did that, you're this, you're that, you're like, owned it. I'm Mm -hmm. moody and I know this. And when I feel this way, these are the things that I have to do to escape that inner voice. Yep. Make my my list to cross them off. What do I need to do next to feel less moody? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the task master. master. Um, the next one is the controller. And this one tries to control impulsive acts and prevent pleasurable, decadent, or addictive behavior like sex, alcohol, food, all of that. Like you have no willpower, this one says. Um, you'll never break free of this, you know, you can't do it, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Do you have any of those? You know what? I do, and it's such a personal one, but I'm just going to put it out there. All right. Vulnerability. I like it. Oh, it's tough. So tough. So um, I wear a head wrap mm-hmm. on my hair, and I have been dealing with something called trichotillomania since I was six years old. Mm-hmm. And... The controller in my head tells me that you will never beat this. Mm -hmm. You will always struggle with this. You will never get over this. You're not worth getting over this. You're just the crazy person who pulls your hair out. And that voice is so loud. Yeah. Crazy person. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm told every day whenever I look at my hair when I see these bald spots or patches on my head before I wrap my head um, I don't even like to see them which is why I keep my head wrapped I was so sick of covering with makeup when I had long hair or filling in the spots or having my hair parted just so so that no one would see it Um, I was so over it. So when I finally shaved my head, I thought I would be relieved of this. Yeah. Um, And I wasn't. I wasn't. And it's still with me. And I know that voice in my head that's constantly telling me, you will never beat this. You will never get over this. You have no willpower when it comes to this. Um, I think that in controlling that voice Mm -hmm. is where I will break free of that. I'm wondering how because when something is that powerful over you like how do we unbad that you know like I think I have to give myself love in place of the times I'm giving myself criticism mm -hmm. over trichotillomania I have to love it out of me because I've hated it for so long well I think 
step one, like you just made a big, I don't want to call it an announcement, but a, a, a confession, I guess. Sure. On this show that I think that's a pretty big step. Yeah, I think that as um, time goes on, as life goes on, as I become more whole within myself, I'm allowing people to see these parts of me. Yeah. And I'm a big believer that what stays in the dark remains and what you shed light on, you're able to move through and allow it to be free. And so over the last few years, whether it be with my clients, whether it be with um, friends and family, Mm -hmm. I have revealed this part of me, this layer of me that Mm -hmm. does not encompass all of who I am, but it's one small piece of me that I have looked at under a magnifying glass my entire life and have made it so much bigger than what it actually is. And there are so many people that deal with, even if it's not that specific thing, everybody has something in their life that feels like it's too big, it's too shameful. Shame. Yeah, that's it. Shame. Mm -hmm. It's whenever you allow the shame in Mm -hmm. that you feel like you have to hide. Yeah. And when you hide, it just doesn't go away. No, it doesn't go away. And I like the sharing of it and shedding the light on it. So hopefully that not only helps somebody else out there that might be dealing with something that feels too big for them, Mm -hmm. um, but also hopefully sharing that helps you make it feel smaller to you. Right. I hope so too. I hope that I'm able to see um, in a more proportionate way Mm -hmm. what role trichotillomania plays in my life instead of making it this huge monster that I can really put it back in its box and just make it this small part of me. It is a tongue twister, isn't it? It sure is. <laughs> go ahead. Give it a try. Trichotillomania. There you go. You got it. <laughs> the only reason I think I got that is because you said it like three or four times. And so when you would say it, I'd be like, trichotillomania. Because like, you make true, it a false. True, true, false. <laughs> true, 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 false, true. You make it a, like a sing song thing in yeah, your head. Yeah. And that's a like. There was a guy that I had interviewed, and um, his name was, <laughs> oh, wait, Vinny Potestivo. <laughs> because it sounds like the Super Mario Brothers thing. Vinny Potestivo. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking when you said that. And untimely taking a drink at the same time. So, yes, uh, 100% Mario Brothers. That's all I hear. <laughs> I will never forget how to say his name because I Super Mario Brother did it in my head. Totally. That's amazing. I love it. Uh, Okay. So our next one here is The Underminer. And this is a critic that is very uncomfortable with risk. It tries to undermine your self-esteem and wants you to stay small and avoid failing, being hurt, judged, or rejected. And this is one that says to you, like, why even try? Like, it's just going to fucking end badly. It's going to be terrible. Don't even try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any that pop up for you with that? Um, I think a lot in relationships. Like, I've been failed with friendships, mm-hmm. for example. Um, 
I have a thing with making new friends. I'm like, I don't want to because one, I have to like expose myself to you um, legally, of course, and with consent. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but then because I've had this story in my head that I'm unlikable, um, I just kind of go, I don't even try to really make new friends. I make acquaintances mm-hmm. all the time. I make acquaintances all day, all night. I'll go out, I'll talk to people, I'll have fun. I don't make like close, meaningful, deep friendships with people. Do you feel like that has just been in your adult life or do you feel like this is something that has been carried with you in, with throughout your life? So... When we were young, I had a very close group of friends. It was, you know, just there was like a group of us, Stephanie, Leah, Carly, Mm -hmm. you know, we all had birthdays right in a row. Um, And I always kind of felt like an outsider, but they were my friends that I was with all the time. And then whenever I got to high school and I left – I was kind of shunned after that for making a what I consider a very good decision mm-hmm. for myself. I had moved in um, with my father whenever I was like 15 or 16. I moved high schools. And so I, whenever I would see them again, I felt like kind of like shunned, like, oh, I'm not part of the group anymore. Do you believe that that was reality or do you believe that was the story you were telling yourself? Um, probably a little bit of both. I, I tend to bow out of relationships pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. If I start to feel uncomfortable in something, or if I see that it's heading towards drama, like I have such a, like, I just want to repel drama. I get so much anxiety over it. I don't want all of the up and down emotions of drama mm-hmm. um, because I've had so much of it in my life. So now I'm like, mm, I will just, if I see that a relationship is starting to move into a, you know, drama zone, mm-hmm. I'm just like, and, uh, you know, thank you. Good night. <laughs> Ex- exit stage left. Yeah. Don't forget to tip your waitress. Mm-hmm. I won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I could see that if that was your experience from such a young age, that even now as a 41-year-old woman having to enter into relationships and being like that voice really saying like, you know what, it's just like another one that's going to bite the dust. Drama's going to happen at some point. It's not even worth it. Yeah. And you know, it actually happened with co-hosts. I had a couple of co-hosts that I was like really excited about that I thought that it would work out on a different show that I had been doing. And uh, it turns out it's like dating, you know, like you gotta you gotta cycle through some people. Can you do spe- speed hosting? I wish, <laughs> I wish. So I mean, lucky now you and I doing this show. I'm like, well, you're my sister, and we've already been just awful to each other. Oh, so yeah. I think that we can get through anything. <laughs> we've quit each other many times. Yeah. So if we quit this, I mean, it'll come back around. Yeah, yeah. Give us four years. <laughs> Give us four years. We'll we'll come back around at some yeah. point. <laughs> Do you think you have any um, experience with the underminer? 
You know what? I think in general, yes. I think that I have a tendency to just play small or like not want too much because Mm -hmm. it's probably not going to happen anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that's like a pretty consistent um, theme Mm -hmm. throughout my life. Um, If I want to build my business up more, Mm. it's like just be happy with what you have. It's probably not going to happen. You're not that good anyway. Well, let's let's say it I'll say it for this show you know like I wouldn't it be great if we had a million downloads and a bunch of sponsors and our you know we got really big but I'm afraid to do that I'm, I'm afraid to think big like that sometimes um and I wish that I wasn't because I think that my own self-limiting beliefs can really self-limit me Yeah, that's what they're there for, to keep you small. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've had the same thoughts about unbatting. Like, oh, it would be so great if, instead of stepping into it with the confidence of, um, gosh, we have a really great thing going, Mm -hmm. this is really fun, Um, really allowing myself to believe that this show could be something that helps a lot of people and that reaches a lot of people. Instead, I just kind of say it with like a, a flick of the wrist, like, Oh, wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. That would be cool if it happened. But if it doesn't, that's okay. Because, you know, I got to back it up with that. If, if it doesn't, I mean, that's okay too. Yeah, because we can't be vulnerable and we can't be hurt by our flaws or our failures, right. perceived failures. Um, like hasn't, hasn't even happened yet. And we're like. <gasps> right, right. And if you don't want it or you don't desire it, then you can't be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Ugh. We, there's a lot to go into with that. I'm sure we have 14 million hours of material with <laughs> for that shit one. like that for yep. sure. Yep. Um, okay, just to keep it moving along here, we have the guilt tripper. Okay. And the guilt tripper is somebody that is stuck in the past, unable to forgive wrongs that you have done mm. or the people that you have hurt. Um, it tries to protect you from repeating past mistakes by making sure that you never forget or feel free of them. Um, this one says they'll never forgive you for this or like, how could you? How could you have done that? Yeah, I feel like that's the one that's like, I can't believe you said that. Mm-hmm. And then like, I think about it and think about it and think about it. And I never let myself unlive uh, three second moment in time that maybe I said something that wasn't perfect or wasn't exactly how I wanted to communicate it. That yes. one definitely gets me whenever it comes to things that I've said. I am a panic word vomiter. You've always been. You've <laughs> <laughs> always been. Like, you know, if Dana's uncomfortable because she's saying some off the wall shit or she's talking a lot and will not shut up, will not shut up. I and and sometimes whenever I panic word vomit something, things come out that I'm like, oh, my God, go back in my mouth. As they're coming out, they didn't even make it out yet. And you're already trying to pull them back in. And as the guilt tripper inner critic, I will think about that five years from now. I will be laying in bed at two o'clock in the morning. I have woken up from a nightmare about that very thing that happened <laughs> that has not left my brain ever since. And I will beat myself up over it over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Really wanting me to learn from my mistakes 
but I'm a panic word vomiter. So I don't learn. I just panic word vomit all over again and, you know, give myself material for the next three years. Yeah. Yeah. The next three years of sleepless nights. Yeah. I think that um, we, again, I think I said this earlier, but we're the only ones that are thinking about it. Yeah. Nobody else is laying up at night. We're not that special. We're not that memorable. Only we remembered it. Yeah. The other people go. The other people are up at night also, but they're thinking about the stupid shit that they did, not the stupid shit that we did. Exactly. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. I I've definitely been that person you know whenever you go to a restaurant and uh the hostess sits you and she's like enjoy your meal and you're like you too <laughs> and then you're like oh my god why did i say that i can't believe it she's Such an idiot. oh i'm so stupid so stupid she didn't even hear you no probably not and if she did she laughed about it and then she moved on with her life <laughs> yeah <laughs> as i should yes um okay so the last one that is on this list is the destroyer Mm, tell and me about the destroyer. The destroyer is the most dangerous one, mm. in my opinion. Uh, this one is the critic that depresses you. It's making pervasive attacks on your self-worth and shaming you. It makes you feel inherently flawed and not entitled to basic understanding slash respect. So this one is the one that tells you that you're worthless. This is the one that says, like, they would be better off without me. Or, um, you know, you, you never should have been born, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And that is, that's the one that, that gets us to that mental health breaking point where this inner critic is lying to you. And unfortunately, people die from this inner critic. Definitely. They definitely do. And this one, I would say it's named appropriately. Mm-hmm. It is the destroyer. Um, in fact... I had this one come up for me last week. Yeah. And um, I came home from work on a Saturday. And the week leading up to this Saturday was just really challenging with mm-hmm. my kids. And it was like I was being challenged at every turn. And I came home and it was like I was gone all day. And I came home and it was like, the girls were in a good mood and they were laughing and they were listening and they were being compliant and the dogs were listening and being compliant. Mm. And it was like, that is dad, rude of them, to uh, be honest. <laughs> dad stepped in and all of a sudden when dad was in charge all day with his fucking cape on with his cape on that, like everybody fell in line. And there was a moment where I felt like that. They would be better off without me. Mm-hmm. They would because I just come in and my moodiness mm-hmm. or my irritability or my um, reaction um, instead of responding. Yeah. Um, that all of these things were just making them so dysregulated and I was the reason that they had a hard week. Yeah. Like my bad energy rubbed off on them mm-hmm. and that's like I was the the teeny tiny snowball that made our household into a snowman. Exactly. Exactly. I think that all the time. I think that the destroyer um, is like with me on my motherhood journey thus far. Every 
time I get in a rough spot um, with the kids or I'm having a hard time with the kids, the destroyer is right there telling me just how worthless I am, Mm -hmm. just how much all of this is my fault and just how much um, they'd be better off without me. Yeah, I've definitely had the destroyer on my motherhood journey also. I've had it in my marriage as well, you know, like just uh, there are times when if I'm in like a disagreement with my husband that I'm thinking that exact same thing. Like it's me, it's my bad mood. He would be so much happier if he had somebody else that wasn't me um, you know, like he would be, he'd be getting a lot more sex and be so much happier. I'm not good enough. I don't do it right. I, I'm not meshing with him, whatever it may be. Um, and that can be really lonely because if you let the destroyer talk you into all of those things that you're the worst, you're worthless, um, you cut yourself off from people. You do. The destroyer can be very isolating. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that I don't want to be a hermit because I do. A lot of times people are terrible sometimes and sometimes they're really, really great. Yeah. A lot of times people are really, really great. And a lot of times whenever we're in these moments where the destroyer has gotten us to this place where we want to be isolated Mm -hmm. and stay away from people because everyone would be better off without us. Like we're such the victim, right? Like, oh, we're just so terrible. Um, A lot of the times, um, if we would just give ourselves the opportunity to push that to the side and step into you know, a social interaction, whether it be you and I getting together or getting together with another group of friends, like a lot of times they'll love you out of that. Mm -hmm. It takes the influence of other people sometimes to get you out of that. Well, human connection is one of the things that we need. Mm -hmm. We need to connect with people. It fills us up. We just need to connect with the right people. So true. So true. I think that that's really important that you connect with the right people. We were having a conversation the other day about that um, some relationships are the relationships where like you just know that they are quality Mm. relationships. They are people that build you up when you talk to them, you feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And then there are other relationships that are just draining yeah and it's it's those relationships that you have to step outside of and really pour into the quality people in your life and this is like one of those times where like quality over quantity is major when it comes to the people that you're choosing to be in your life 100 percent. and there are people like we've we've talked before that um our cousin died by suicide in 2020 Um, We know, unfortunately, a lot of people, mental health over the last uh, decade, I feel like, has just been, in the last two weeks, I've seen two influencers on social media that have died by suicide. Mm, So incredibly heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking. And I can guarantee you that you talk to any single one of their family members, to their children, to their friends. Not a single one of them would be like, yeah, we're better off without them. Never, ever once. Even with all of your 
baggage, Mm -hmm. with all of your emotions, with all of your moods, the people that love you would never feel that they would be better off without you here. No, that is your inner critic lying to you um, and, and telling you those things. And our job, if we can, is to try and distinguish, like we were talking earlier, between your inner voice and your inner critic. And whenever you recognize that that is your inner critic, doing the things that you can to shut that bitch down. Mm -hmm. Shut it down. Um, Find awareness. Mm -hmm. Understand the difference, like you said. And know that if if it feels dark, if it feels shameful, if it feels... Like the destroyer, it mm. is not your highest self. It is not your inner voice. It is 100% your inner critic. And that's where you just need to hit that pause button and maybe turn to the mirror or remind yourself of just one thing mm. that you know is true about you. Like, yeah. True. Like, I love myself. Mm-hmm. I am a great insert whatever you're great at here yeah even if it's like uh you could reach out to your friend your husband your sister and just be like I'm really in it right now can you please just tell me one thing that you love about me if my sister reached out to me and said I'm feeling so down right now can you tell me something that you love about me I would be sending her a list oh like (laughs) that's one of the lists that I would be happy to do to any of my friends or siblings, family members, I would be like, yes, I will tell you all the fucking things that I love about you. A hundred percent. And it would be so much easier for somebody that loves you to send that list mm-hmm. than for you to make the list about yourself. Yes, absolutely. Man, this was a really heavy episode. It was. It was It was good, but it was heavy. Um, And I think that we should probably try and end with some happy things. Oh, yeah, definitely. Let's end this on a happy note. So I did reach out on Twitter and asked people to let me know what are some of the good things that are going on in their lives. And so we got a couple here. Uh, We'll end on some some happiness stuff. Do you want to start? Yeah, I love this one. Um, It's just so simple. Um, But... You feel it when you hear it. Um, Laughing with my wife over silly Instagram videos. We save the good ones and watch them together at night. That's so cute. (laughs) It is. It's so simple, you know, but like how many times you sit there and you're like watching a video over and over just laughing and laughing. What if you just got to share in that laughter with somebody? I love that they do that. I love the idea of saving it for each other. Like my husband sends me funny videos all the time, but because he sends them to me all the time... I watch 0% of them. (laughs) You're like, "Mm -hmm, got it. (laughs) I leave them on red. I do not. And sometimes he'll be like, no, you really have to watch this one because he knows that I'm probably not going to. I might actually ask him to do that. Just be like, no, save Save them. Save them. At 8 o'clock when we're winding down, we will sit next to each other and, you know, go through our funny videos of the day together. Yeah, I love that. That's a good idea. All right. What else do you got? Uh, This one says that 
My wife and I have been trying to get a home health aide for three years so I can be less nurse and more husband. The red tape has been relentless, but we broke through. The aide started this week. Mm, yay for them. I'm so happy for them. That has to be such a weight off your shoulders. I'm so, so happy for you because that feels like it's probably a lot on your shoulders. Definitely. And for him to like just say, like, I just want to step up and be more husband, it's like, oh, so endearing and so sweet. I just love that. And I'm so glad for them that they were able to get this help. I know. I know. And she's probably just as happy to have more husband because, you know, like whenever you have an aide helping you do certain things, I'm not sure what their scenario is, though. But, you know, it kind of takes the romance out of things sometimes. Totally. Yeah. Totally. She's getting her hubby back. Yeah. Good for you. Congratulations. All right. I got another one here. Okay. This says my grandfather at 93 survived a heart attack and still has a strong willpower to carry on and not give up. He's a big inspiration to me. That is, uh, wow, 93. At 93 to still like just keep pushing hard at that point in your life and continue to go and continue to strive for life. Like there's no give up there. No, I... I wonder what it is that he's like, fuck, no, I'm not dying right now. Like, I need another McDonald's French fries. You know, like, <laughs> what is that thing? What is the driving force behind it? Because honestly, like, if I knew that I was on my way out and maybe I'm just like getting a light bulb on in my head, like, oh, my God, we're all on our way out every day, every all the day, time. Yes, <laughs> it's one step closer. And and what would I do? And a lot of it is food involved. <laughs> You know what's funny is that I was listening to um, a, a podcast and this guy was on there and he was talking about um, a near-death experience. And on it he said, I realize that I either want to live my life like a child or I want to live my life like somebody who is like 80, 90 years old on their way out because you're really just focusing on the things that make you happy. Yeah. Like food. Like food. Food makes me so, so happy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Curry. <laughs> oh, my God. I've eaten so much curry <laughs> in the last three weeks. <laughs> Seriously, I just had it on Sunday. <laughs> Every time she has curry, I get a message. <laughs> curry again. <laughs> oh, God. Gotta live for that curry. I do. I do. And I also live for those rate and reviews on Apple. So. Oh, do you see how she brought it around? Mm. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and comments on YouTube. Guys, if you are listening with us, if you are unbatting with us every week, just thank you for coming on this journey with us. We really appreciate you. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap it up. One more episode of Unbatting. We'll mm. see you guys next week. We're unbatting, baby. Unbatting. Unbatting. We're unbatting, baby. We're on a journey, baby. We're on batting, baby. We're on batting.